When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let me get into this topic here. Now, about two days ago, we produced a show on some thoughts that I was having about the you know the breakup between skip bayless and shannon sharp and the angle from which i approached that show was i was looking at all of the success that shannon sharp has been able to experience and enjoy uh ever since he decided to move or ever since he was recruited over to espn espn first take and i'm looking at some of the challenges that are taking place uh back at his former place of employment at fs1 um, as you guys know, FS, um, uh, what is it? Undisputed is no longer the top show on that show. I believe First Things First is the top show, which speaks volumes because prior to Skip's, uh, prior to Shannon Sharp's departure, there was one of their uh, flagship shows there. That's number one. Number two, in that show, I was discussing the idea about how, how, how can F, how could FS1 possibly, possibly, uh, let such a talent walk out of the door. To me, it was absolutely confounded. Now, for those of you guys who maybe don't remember, early this year, there was a couple of spats that that basically occurred on that show on television. Um, one of them had to do with Skip Bayless essentially insulting Shannon Sharp over, you know, some comments that he made about Tom Brady, where Shannon Sharp seemed to be taken aback that Skip Bayless would take a personal shot at him on live television to defend Shannon Sharp. So there was that one, and then was the, the other one was the DeMar Hamlin a situation. So what happened? We then got the news that Shannon Sharp was going to ultimately be having his last day on the show the day after the NBA finals. And that's exactly uh, what happened. So this morning I was doing some research and I came across an article from the New York Post, um, New York Post. This article was published September 23rd. So fairly, fairly, um, you know, fairly, fairly recent. Now, some people say, oh, this is old news. You know, what's funny. There are people talking about news and things that happened years ago. And it's, and we, we're hearing new things come out about it. New light being, uh, you know, um, shed on old stories, which brings up new conversation. When we do it, all of a sudden it's an old story. But uh, the New York Post had this article that was published on September 23rd, 2023. And it had the following headline. It says, Shannon Sharp barely talked to Skip Bayless outside of Undisputed. But before we even continue, I've already told you guys that I'm planning on moving to the States and I've been trying my absolute hardest to find good NBA tickets. And it's been so hard trying to find a good deal out there until I discovered SeatGeek, which I am absolutely excited to say is today's sponsor. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green dots, 
Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So let me get into what this article had to say here. It continues on by saying, Speculation remains around the former undisputed seven-year relationship between uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, despite the three-time Super Bowl champion leaving the show in June. With his new first-take colleague, Stephen A. Smith, Sharp detailed the people and things he misses about the, F the FS1 debate show, which didn't include Skip Bayless, Smith noted. I do, Sharp said in answering that he did know that he did not include his former co-hosts before further explaining their relationship was only in office uh only an in-office professional one they did not interact much outside of work making for something different from the other friendships he formed uh at the network and in the nfl he recalled uh one brunch they had together in their longtime relationship skip and i didn't have the relationship that i had with the people that i miss skip would go to work he would get to work i would get to work uh sharp said i was in my dressing room he was in his dressing room it really it, it really was like a heavyweight fight we barely talked it was very little communication the article then continues on the hall of famer said he believed this was because he followed the lead of bayless and how he conducted his business which didn't involve much chatter in the morning according to sharp he treated this like an actual game sharp said i just learned he doesn't want to be bothered and i'm okay with that i didn't get the sense that he wanted he continued I'm not a guy who's going to force anything. If you show me you want to have a relationship outside of work, I'll accept it. If you want to have a relationship that's strictly work and it's confined to the two and a half hours we work, uh, we, we are at work, I'm cool with that as well. Uh, still, Bayless and the show meant a lot to Sharp, who had a tearful sign-off on the last show on June 15 and still expressed gratitude about his tenure there. I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity, Sharp said. I would have... Uh, I would be remiss, and I can't say enough that he fought for me to get on first take. I think I have been as humble and as gracious as possible uh, as I possibly could in giving him his kudos uh, for that. And then the article went on to say a few other things. Now, initially, when that story came out, we actually did a show that was about a video that was put together. It was like a compilation video. I think it was Shannon Sharp's team uh, that put it together where they kind of chronicled Shannon's morning of his last day. You know, from arriving at FS1, going in the elevator, running into Colin Cowherd, going into his dress room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what happened? They were filming the entire event. And then um, Shannon then concludes his speech that he gave on television. And here was here's what's interesting. Shannon doesn't reach across the desk to, sh to shake Skip's arm, uh, hand. I think he did it on air. But after he got off, he just kind of walked off started greeting everyone or saying goodbye to everyone. Then you see another clip of him in a room full of, uh, I guess, all of the people that worked on the show, the producers, whoever it is, and all the talent. And they're like, I think, having champagne and they're having cake. And Skip noticeably uh, wasn't there. Some people said at the time that I was reading too much into it. Here's my thought about this article here. I think Shannon, first of all, what he said about, because he said it on numerous occasions, that he is perfectly okay with coming to work and having an awkward situation with someone, but still being professional, going out there, performing his duty, and getting the hell off the show, 
right? Without, um, you know, ruffling any feathers. He said that, said that before and I 100% um, believe him that he can do something like that. To me, uh, if you look at how friendly uh, Shannon and Stephen A. Smith are, they go everywhere. I mean, they go to different things. Obviously, it's work-related, but they seem to be genuinely friendly. For example, you heard Stephen A. Smith say he's going to invite Shannon Sharp to his house and show him all of this stuff. You know, just, just being friendly. You know, it's a colleague. You want to build good chemistry together, and I'm surprised that that wasn't established between Skip and Shannon at that show. And I used to say this for some years. People thought, oh, you're reading too much into it. You're reading too much into it. To me, body language is everything. You should be able to read intent, uh, whether or not somebody likes you or not. You can read this by nonverbal signals and the energy that they convey across to you. And something, a subtle thing that I used to notice was whenever they started the show, Shannon would always be the person that reached across the desk to dap him up. To me, that spoke volume. Some people said, oh, it's nothing. But now we find out that I guess they weren't that really, they weren't, uh, they weren't as tight. They weren't as tight as we thought they were all along, right? And it wasn't acting, right? Because the way Skip went at him, those were personal attacks. And you don't do that to a friend, let alone a colleague on live air by basically trying to diminish their career accomplishments. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Did you guys know about, uh, let me say four days ago, the Clippers decided to make the adjustment uh, that all of us were, were begging for, which was essentially finding a way to break up James Harden and Russell Westbrook. We, um, I think some of, a lot of us came to the conclusion that you couldn't start these two gentlemen in the starting lineup. They had, I mean, their skill sets were just simply too redundant. Um, it just wasn't going to work. Russell Westbrook cannot be the guy that spaces the floor for you. Now, at the time, I was advocating for the Clippers to move James Harden to the bench. Why was I doing that? The reason I was advocating for that was because James Harden was the new man that just came into the fold. Uh, Russell Westbrook had already been there. He had already been a spark plug for the Clippers. He had already been he, he had already been playing well for them. So I thought it would have been unfair to ask Russell Westbrook to then go to the bench. I thought that would have been unfair. So what happened about four days ago, Russ, the, you know, the news came out. We actually produced a live about this where Russell Westbrook himself went to the coaching staff of the Clippers and asked if he's if he comes off the bench, right? And the moment that information went down, or the information came out, I then began to get a positive feeling about this team because I said, finally, you know, players can now get into their natural positions. James Harden can now be the playmaker that he is. Russell Westbrook now goes to the second unit, and he can be the playmaker there. And then whenever you stagger the minutes of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, in some cases, and you saw this last night, you can have Russell Westbrook in the second unit playing with Paul George to get him easy shots alongside Norman Powell uh, and others. So uh, they won their first game. And then yesterday, they went into San Antonio. And I actually had a good feeling about this game. And funny enough, I listened to the post-game interview. And Paul George said it. He said, now we have the expectation of winning. Right When they were on that six-game slide, five with James Harden. That sentiment really wasn't in the air. But now at the minute they got that W under their belt, it seemed like the Clippers uh, ultimately were able to figure something out. So I watched about, let me say, three quarters of that game yesterday. I watched about three quarters of that game. And what I saw was very, very impressive. If I go through the box score uh, from last night's game, Kawhi Leonard seemed to be in a rhythm. He shot, 
uh, 47% from the field. He had 21 points, uh, shooting 100% from the free throw line, four rebounds, three assists, one block, and one steal. Paul George had a very good night. His shooting percentages are back up. He shot 68.8% yesterday because he was just getting so many easy shots, um, and that had a lot to do with the distribution of, of James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook, who I'm going to get to momentarily. He only had two turnovers. He had six assists, one steals, five rebounds to go with those 28 points. And then you had a Vitsa Zubak. He had uh, 11 and eight points. Terrence Mann came in there. Now, Terrence Mann went 0 of 6 in the starting lineup. He went 0 of 4 from the, from the um, what is it, from the three-point line. But Terrence Mann is not really out there to score. He's out there to give you spacing and play some defense, and that's exactly what he did. As a matter of fact, he led the entire ball club with getting four steals in that game, two assists, only one turnover, right? Only one turnover. So his plus minus his plus minus ended up being uh, seven, um, and then he had what six rebounds to go with that. James Harden, who I mentioned at the beginning, he finished off the game with thirteen points. Now he only he only shot thirty three percent, but he didn't attempt a lot of shots. He took a high volume of threes. He made two out of eight, so twenty five percent, a hundred percent from the free throw line. But he bit, but he did have ten assists. He did have ten big assists to zero turnovers. 10 assists to zero turnovers is fantastic. You now go to the bench unit, Norman Powell, who benefited mightily off of the you know, presence of Russell Westbrook on the bench. He came off the bench and had 19 points. Russell Westbrook had 10 and 6, 10 points and 6 assists. He only had, and he himself had zero turnovers. So you have your two point guards, so to speak, who get you 16 assists and zero turnovers. That's an excellent game. And the new um, addition to the, to the team, Daniel Theus, he finished the game shooting 8 of 10. 80% from the field, and he, and he got 19 points because of the easy shots uh, that these guys are able to generate. So to me, I saw very, very positive signs, and it seems like I'm not the only one that felt this way because a lot of people on Twitter felt that way as well, and I want to read some of the comments that people put out there last night at the, at, you know, at the end of that game. So let me read some of the comments from people on Twitter. We're getting this from fadeawayworld.net, uh, which highlighted some of the comments that people put out there after the, the Clippers won that game. Uh, Lowe says, this looks like... A completely different Clippers team, and I love it. Another person said this was a perfect, uh, this was as perfect as a game as you could ask from a team. Uh, the big four played great. Only seven team turnovers, thirty assists, and fifteen steals. Another person, the Clippers getting Daniel Theus for free has been an absolute lifesaver so far. I one hundred percent concur with that person. Uh, the chemistry with him and Russell Westbrook in the second unit has been impressive already. Another person said Clippers said. He was uh, untouchable, by the way. Uh, Sixers dodge uh, a bullet. Another person said, it's very simple. You separated Russ and Harden, and you separated Russ and Harden, and you look like a real basketball team. Now you try to maximize each one's units. Uh, Spurs are good trial games. Unless Wimby is hitting, they won't beat anyone without Vassal. West is too uh, strong. And another person said, James Harden in back-to-back possession, making life so easy. Uh, for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and I and I like the fact that that person brought up that point because I was listening to a uh, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the game, and this was the exact point that Kawhi Leonard brought up, which was James Harden was getting him some easy looks. He was getting him some very easy looks, and I think that this is probably what the Clippers envisioned when they went out there to make this acquisition. However, I thought they were being a little bit too ambitious, and I think they had to learn that the hard way. By trying to start all four of these guys in this, you know, in the starting lineup, it was an absolute disaster. 
absolute disaster. And now you can see some of the shooting percentages of Kawhi and Paul George and these guys beginning to recover. James Harden, I don't really care much about his shooting percentage. What I care about is that, number one, he can shoot around 37, 35, 37% from the three when he's open. Uh, he has a very good uh, assist to turnover ratio. That's really what I'm paying attention to because the Clippers have a lot of offense on, you know, on that unit. Um, so I like what I like I like what they did there and moving Russell Westbrook to the bench I think works well. Russell Westbrook uh has completely taken his ego out of the equation. And I think that he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. And I think more I think that they need to make more of this story. I was listening to Raw uh for sports bring up the point about the Dallas Mavericks are playing playing very well and no one is talking about them. No one is talking about the good job that Kyrie Irving is doing, just kind of fitting in with that team. But let it be something negative. Let them start having some turmoil, and all of a sudden we're going to be asking the question of whether or not Kyrie Irving is a locker room cancer or is a good teammate. Same thing with the Clippers. If the Clippers started struggling and then Russell Westbrook is playing bad, all of a sudden we now want to start having questions about Russell Westbrook. When he does well, uh, no one is saying anything. You see, to me, I'm trying to be as balanced as I can. I went off on the Clippers about this trade, and I, and I think I was 100% right to do that. Because I didn't understand why they did it at the time. And if you were going to do something like that, something as drastic as that, you don't try to exacerbate the problem by now trying to basically fit all of these guys into the starting lineup. You separate them, right? And the moment that they decided that they were going to do that after Russell Westbrook, you know, um, you know, made that declaration to the team, I began to get a positive vibe. And I think I'm, I, you know, I criticized them when I think the, the moment called for it. And now I'm giving them credit. Uh, when the moment called for it, I think that's the way you, you you know you're balanced. I think that if I sat up there and try to twerk it up all over the place when I knew uh, at the time that it wasn't going to work with having all four of those guys in the starting lineup, I think you lose a lot of credibility uh, by doing that. So to me, I like the direction that this team is going in. Let me look at the NBA standings. I think that they're going to be playing the Spurs again, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just see this for a second. Uh, Clippers. I think they're going to be playing the Spurs again. Yes, they're going to be playing the Spurs on Thursday. Then they're going to be playing the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, I believe, on Friday. And then uh, they're going to be playing, who else? The Mavericks, which is going to be a good test. And you're going to have the Denver Nuggets. So hopefully they can build some continuity and momentum leading up to those bigger games, the Mavs and the Denver Nuggets. And then we're going to really get a good uh, sense of what this team is all about. So these are my thoughts. So what I want to know from you guys, what do you, what do you think about the Clippers right now? Do you think that they're moving in the right direction? Or do you think that, listen, this is just a flash in a, flash in a pan? Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic here. Now, as you guys know, Nick Wright is one of the resident Michael Jordan haters. Uh, Nick Wright made, I think, Nick Wright made his name, and I think his, his most viewed video on YouTube. As a matter of fact, let me pull it up. As they say, liars have no proof. Let me pull it up. Nick Wright. I don't search for Nick Wright much. Michael Jordan. So it was back in 2000. Uh, pa, 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 pa. Let me see. Nick Wright, Michael Jordan. Uh, let me see. Nick Wright, Michael Jordan. Undisputed. So it was back in, I believe, yes, uh, six years ago, right? Six years ago, Nick Wright went on Undisputed. And he said, I can even read the title of the, the you know, the, the video for you. It says, Nick Wright, LeBron has already passed Michael Jordan as the greatest player ever. That particular video of Nick Wright has 3.4 million views. We can't even count the numbers that it generated on television. That's probably Nick Wright's most viewed video of all time. Um, and that was his entree into, you know, uh, sports TV. 
where he went out there and basically trolled the entire universe. And that's how he made his name. And Nick Wright made a lot of money in the process of slandering Jordan uh, along the way. Now, for you guys that follow this channel, you know that I'm a Kobe guy. I think Kobe's one of the three greatest players ever. Um, but I do concede that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, right? Um, after scrutinizing the comparisons, uh, you know, to every possible extent, I came to the conclusion, the sobering conclusion, uh, that MJ is better. And I couldn't figure out any angle to argue in the favor of Kobe, apart from maybe the eye test. But even that, I think Jordan passes that as well. Right. I mean, Jordan is that elite. And of all the athletes that I've closely observed play basketball, I've never seen a basketball player move quite like Jordan. I've never seen someone jump quite like Jordan. I've never seen someone, uh, you know, levitate and have the hang time. It's quite weird. You look at some of Jordan highlights and you're like, this isn't normal. And he's the only NBA player I have noticed that about, right? And then you look at his accomplishments, you look at his actual game, you look at, you know, the impact that he had on basketball. So even as a Kobe Bryant fan, I think that uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest ever. Um, the majority of sports fans, NBA fans believe Jordan is ever. So when Nick Wright came out there and said that, knowing that Le LeBron had not finished accomplishing what Jordan had accomplished over the, you know, the entirety of his career. A lot of people knew that he was trolling at that time, but Hey, uh, he made a lot of money. I didn't hear anybody ask uh, Nick Wright to give Michael Jordan back some of the money he made off of slander in his name. He can continues to troll Jordan to this day. Even recently, he put out his top 50 players in the past 50 years. And he had Jordan ranked as the third greatest player of all time, which to me is just, I don't even know how you come to that conclusion. Like, I just don't even know how you come to that conclusion, but that, you know, that's Nick Wright for you. So what happened this morning, uh, I was doing some research and I came across an article from fadeawayworld.net. An article said the following, Marcus Jordan defends his father, Michael Jordan, against Nick Wright's latest statement. And I'm like, Marcus Jordan? Are we talking about the same, Mar I mean, Marcus Jordan? Marcus Jordan? I mean, do we know what we've been discussing about him in the last few? So I was like, what? what is, what is this about, right? What is this about? So essentially uh what happened was marcus jordan was reacting to a compilation video of nick wright spewing his nonsense about mj and then somebody else made a response video uh to the comments that nick wright made kind of running off some of jordan's accomplishments and then marcus jordan he then shares that in his instagram live story and his name is higher uh air whatever air mj five two three and he shares that and then he puts like the angry emojis and then he puts goat right so what we want to do is we actually want to play that for you but before we even play that this video is brought to you by our brand new sponsor SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. 
And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So what we want to do is we want to play this video. I want you guys to also look at Marcus, Jordan, Marcus Jordan's, uh, Jordan's name, and then we'll come back and continue on the show. Uh, take a listen to that there. Can someone please write out the rules for me of which years of Michael Jordan's are fair game? Because the way it's been taught to me my entire life is he played six seasons, never lost. People love to say that Jordan fans want to hide the years he didn't win a championship. He played 15 years but only won six rings, so what happened the other nine years? Well, how about we just look at 1988, three years before MJ ever won a championship, but when he was still only 24 years old. In 88, Jordan won the MVP, the scoring title, and Defensive Player of the Year. He averaged 35 points per game on 54% from the field, six assists per game, had over three steals per game leading the NBA, and that year he broke the record for the most blocks ever by a guard. Plus, not only did he win All-Star Game MVP, he won the dunk contest. He also played all 82 games, but what's even more crazy? is that in 1987, he scored even more points. But the haters will still say, these are just regular season numbers, this isn't the playoffs. Well, in 88, after winning 50 games, MJ averaged over 45 points per game to beat the Cavs in the first round of the playoffs. However, all people want to talk about is the fact that Jordan lost to the Bad Boy Pistons that year. Can we acknowledge that nobody else on his team was scoring more than 12 points per game? Looking at the stats Jordan put up in the 80s, nobody has done it since. Nobody since Jordan has scored 3,000 points in a season. This is only the beginning of proving the narrative wrong. So you heard what the video uh, had to say there and you saw him share it. Now, here's my response. First of all, I have said this before on many of the Jordan videos that we've done. Jordan is the only NBA player that I have researched that the more you research Jordan, it's like the deeper you go into the rabbit hole, the freakier it gets. Jordan has freaky accomplishments. When you're talking about it from a basketball, like, did you hear so, some of the some of the accomplishments that the announcer just brought up in his show in his clip? I was even unaware of it. I was totally unaware of it. I didn't even know that Jordan, I think, was the last player to score three thousand points in an NBA. I didn't even know this. I did not even know this. Jordan is the only NBA player that has this effect. Like, there. The thing about Jordan is, of all of the things that he's done, we haven't heard all of it. That's what's crazy about MJ. And there aren't that many people in media really singing his praises. You have uh, Stephen A. Smith, who pushes back on Shannon Sharp, but I think they do that just for ratings, that ridiculous debate that they have. Uh, Skip Bayless does it. He used to be very, very good uh, at defending Jordan in the past. Um, he doesn't do it as well as he used to in the past. You have Mike Breen. He does it as well from time to time. You have Jalen Rose, who was actually very, very good at uh, defending the greatness of Michael Jordan. But he longer he no longer is on television. Uh, to me, listen, Nick Wright is a troll. He's a troll. Uh, so to see Michael Jordan's son go out there and post that, even after all of the foolishness surrounding the story about his potential wedding or whatever it is, it lets you know that, you know, apart from all of the madness, he still knows that his dad is the GOAT. Right. And uh, I think it's normal because you're going to have LeBron's kids say he's a goat and other players. I even saw Ron Artest's son. I forgot his name, Ron Artest. And he think his dad is a goat. So that's normal. Right. That's normal. It's just surprising to see Marcus Jordan come out there and pretty much put out that post because it seems like even him 
uh, he's in awe of his own dad, right? And I think he and many people within Jordan's circle actually hear the chatter, but they have been very, very good in not responding to it, which is must be like a Jordan family thing because Jordan is a savant at not responding to the critics or the, the jabs that people, he doesn't say nothing. He just sits out there, counts his three billion and goes on about his, it's, it's actually remarkable the, the way Jordan is able to tune people out. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.